I needed to not skate by for once in my life, and they didn't let me. At the end of the day, if you know that you don't feel good about the job, you got to be able to leave that behind. They just kept asking me to come back, and I truly love Milwaukee and Southeast Wisconsin. It's always great to be at WTMJ. This is WTMJ Conversations. Welcome to WTMJ Conversations. I'm your host, Libby Collins. Today on Conversations, we're talking with Peggy West Schroeder. You may remember she served for 14 years as a Milwaukee County supervisor, but she also left that job after being charged with a felony. Most recently, she's been involved in community organizations, including prisoner reform. But her life started very differently. And let's begin, Peggy. Where exactly were you born? My mother was being accused of a crime, and she was out on pre-trial. And during that pre-trial, she met my father, and she got pregnant, and then was sentenced, and went to prison, and found out at Techita that she was pregnant with me. She was there serving a three-year sentence, and so... While she was incarcerated, she was pregnant and ended up having me. I believe I was born early. I was never told that, but I stayed in the hospital for six weeks after my birth, and there's not a real good explanation for that. And my mom never told me why. My mom, obviously, having been sent to prison, had some mental health and substance use disorder issues. I honestly was never sure like how much my mom actually remembered. She told me that she didn't know who my father was, which I later found out actually when I was 50, found my father through Ancestry DNA and was able to confirm that she didn't know who he was. She didn't have any identifying information that she could give me that I would be able to go out in the world and find him. So she went into labor and then I was born at St. Agnes Hospital in Fond du Lac, which is one of the two sites that DAI uses for prison birth. And I stayed there for six weeks. During that time, a social worker contacted my two oldest brothers were in one foster care placement. And a younger of my three oldest brothers was alone in another foster care placement. The case manager contacted the older two foster care family first and asked if they would accept a baby. And they said, no, they didn't want one. And so then they went to where my youngest of my three older brothers was. And they actually had been foster parents for 13 years and they had been waiting the whole time for a baby. So it was very nice to have Bennett to be able. My adoptive mom used to tell me all the time that I was their dream come true because they never thought they would get a baby and they did. And then I was able to grow up with my own half brother. So that was beautiful too. So I have an experience very different from a lot of prison babies in that I was placed in the foster care system, received super excellent there, and then was also able to maintain roots to my biological family because my older brother, he knew that he had a mom that wasn't the woman that he lived in the house with. And so he was able to tell me things about her and he would tell me things about my other brothers and about the life that he remembered that he had with them. What eventually happened was my mom got out of prison. She went back to Texas where we had family and she ended up meeting a man down there. 
and having two more children. And then it was approaching my fifth birthday. I would be expected to start school in the fall. And my adoptive mom started putting pressure on the Department of Health and Human Services saying, like, I don't want her to have to start school with one last name and then changing it to another last name. Can we just hurry up and get this process over? We'd like to adopt her. So we ended up being adopted, my older brother and I. And so we were able to stay together and stay with the family that at that point I didn't know anything else. My adoptive parents were still really open to us. I remember talking to my biological mother on the phone. When the middle of my three older brothers got married, I was 15 and I was able to go to his wedding and I met my mom for the first time in person. You know, I feel grateful for having been able to know her, but I chose later not to have a relationship with her for a mirage of reasons, but I will remain grateful that I was able to know her and to see her. And I look in the mirror sometimes and I'm like, I know who I look like now, which growing up was a big deal for me because I saw all these kids at school that had brothers and sisters and they looked like them. And I didn't look like anyone in my house. And so to see this woman and go, oh, wow, like that's where you came from and she looks like you was amazing. Do you remember the first time you realized that your mom was incarcerated when you were born? I was told that from the cradle. So I knew very early on. And I think my parents told me that. Well, first of all, my parents didn't believe in lying to us. So they always told us the truth, as much truth as they could comfortably tell us. So I knew right from the beginning that my mom, the reason that I didn't get to stay with her was because she was incarcerated. And I knew why she was incarcerated. And I knew as much as my adoptive mom knew. So I knew that I didn't have a father listed. I knew that I was Mexican. I knew that I had three older brothers. All the information that I could have, I did have. How difficult was that as a little kid? Knowing, first of all, that you were in an adoptive family, but secondly, that your mom had been in a situation where she had been in prison Mm -hmm. when you were born. There must have been things that went through your head, especially when you got to be a teenager. Mm -hmm. The hardest part, I think, for me in the whole adoption story is that I did not look like my parents. I was raised in South Milwaukee. I am Mexican. And back in the 1970s when I was born, there were not any other people that looked like me. I remember when I got to kindergarten, I would openly tell people, the kids in my class especially, that I was adopted. And they would always ask me if I was Vietnamese because back then that's who was being adopted were Vietnamese kids from the Vietnam War. I did not know where Vietnam was. I did didn't know anything about Vietnamese, but I did have the eye shape. So I was like, okay, I can see I was dark, dark hair, dark eyes. And so I was like, okay, well, that makes sense that they think that I would tell them, no, I'm I'm Mexican. And they would say, what does that mean? And I would say, well, I'm from Mexico. <laughs> they would say, where's Mexico? And I'm like, well, I don't know because I live here. It was always interesting. What's well, a good thing you have a sense of humor about Yeah, this. yeah. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations. You have the kids going through metal detectors and knowing that if you don't get through the metal detector in so many passes that you don't get to go see mom. Peggy West Schroeder from the organization Free describes what a prison visit is like for incarcerated mothers and their young children. You're listening to WTMJ Conversations. Welcome back. I'm Libby Collins. We're talking with Peggy West Schroeder from the organization Free about what it's like for women in prison. I would imagine with everything that you knew then growing up, it was probably pretty easy for you, first of all, to get involved in public service. As we said, you were a Milwaukee County supervisor for 
14 years. But to be involved in community organizations, tell us how you came to be involved, particularly with prisoners and prisoner reform. Mm -hmm. So growing up, although no one ever told me mothers shouldn't go to prison. I just always had that in my mind. I always had it in my head that there has to be some type of alternative incarceration for women and that babies should definitely not be born while women are in prison. While I was on the Milwaukee County Board, I had a lot of opportunities to make different changes within, you know, the county jail and the House of Correction. And then through that work, met Mark Rice, who currently works for Wisdom. He's their transformational justice coordinator for the state. And he came and said, I want to do a piece of legislation on mass incarceration and ending mass incarceration. And a piece of that obviously had to do with women. And so we drafted this legislation and the legislation passed. And through that, he got to know my story and got to know a little bit about me. And when I was unelected in April of 2018, he called me probably two days after that and said, I have this position to work for. It was then the close MSDF campaign. We need a political person to do this. And would you be willing? And I was like, absolutely. And then from there, started talking with Katoya Roberts, who was then the associate director of Wisdom, and Sarah Ferber, who is the associate executive director of Expo, which is ex-incarcerated people organizing. And they were forming this organization free that dealt with the issues of women's incarceration because women's incarceration is so different than men's and so right away I was like you don't have to pay me I'll help you whatever you need me to do just let me know and that's honestly how I started with free you mentioned that women's incarceration is different than men's in what way well prisons were created for men and so they put women into prison but they're not built for women women's prisons women have things happen with their bodies every month and they require special equipment for that and so it used to be before someone stepped up and said hey this should change females in the state's care had to go to usually male correctional officer and say, hey, I got my period. Can I please have a pad? And then because men don't have any idea how many pads you need or, you know, what kind of pads you want to use or that there's even options, maybe they would hand them, you know, three of them and say, here you go. And then when you would go back again and say, you know, I need more, they'd be like, well, for what? Being able to work through that issue, the state now has those supplies there and women can just go and get them and take as many as they need and take what they want instead of having to go and have that conversation with the And is this relatively recently that this has changed? This is, yes. All of this is within probably the last five years that things like this have changed. Not having a male correctional officer pat you down, not having a male correctional officer give you a strip search because there are obviously more male correctional officers than there are female. So with the passage of PREA, which is the Prison Rape Elimination Act, people started paying more attention to these things. But again, PREA was even created for men and not for women. And so there still was a lot of work to be done. The way that visitation is handled, you have moms who are incarcerated and kids who want to come visit moms, and then you have the kids going through metal detectors and knowing that if you don't get through the metal detector in so many passes that you don't get to go see mom, and that's extremely stressful. And then you have this sterile environment that you're having kids sit on stainless steel benches with a formica table and that mom's not allowed to touch, she's allowed to get 
give you a kiss at the beginning of the visit and she's allowed to give you a hug at the end of the visit. And during the visit, you know, you're not able to interact with her. You're not able to sit on her lap. She's not able to go over and sit on the rug and play with you or read you a book or just have time just with you. Anytime you go visit someone normally in prison, when they want something from the vending machine, you have to get up and go get it for them. They're not allowed to go. So it's not like mom could take you over to the vending machine and get you something out of the vending machine because mom's not allowed to touch money. We started having these conversations and actually the Milwaukee County Superintendent at the CRC, which used to be the House of Correction, but is now the Community Reintegration Center, Chantel Jewell, she gets it. And that was one of the first things that she did upon becoming the superintendent there. She created visitation rooms for kids, knowing that that's traumatic and that kids want to go and they want to see mom and they want to interact with mom and they want mom to be able to be their mom for that one hour, three hours, whatever the visit lasts. And then when you talk about pregnant women or postpartum women being in prison, then you're talking about, I'm going to give you an example. So we have one of our leaders, her name is Ariel. She was in prison. And by the time she got out of prison, she relapsed. And then she went back into prison. And she knew she was pregnant when she went back in. And the she judge became pregnant while she was out. Yes, while she was out. Yes. The judge actually told her that he thought that she would be safer in prison than out of prison while she waited for a rehab bed, right? Which is ridiculous, which shows you that they don't have a lot of knowledge of what goes on in prison. But by the time she ended up giving birth, she actually was on room confinement because she had gotten in trouble for so many different things. And one of those things was you're supposed to take a nine minute shower. She took an 11 minute shower. Well, anybody who's ever been pregnant knows that the shower is heaven. You want to stay in the shower as long, right? So why does a pregnant woman have to take only a nine minute shower? And then other ladies would feel bad for her because her commissary money hadn't come in. So they would give her food. So she got caught with food in her cell, which you're not allowed to do. So she got written up for that. And then the last straw, the straw that broke the camel's back was one of the ladies they had crocheting class they have all different kinds of things to keep you busy they had crocheted her baby a stuffed animal she got a room search before she was able to send that animal out so she got an infraction for that as well and she ended up again on room confinement which means she could not leave her room she ate in her room everything she had to do she did in her room and she was able to get out i believe for 10 minutes a day to take a shower and i would assume no visitors no visitors right and no phone calls Coming up on WTMJ Conversations. And at that point, they come and they take the baby from you. Peggy West Schroeder from the Prison Reform Organization Free describes how long an incarcerated mother gets to spend with her child before giving her up. Now, more of WTMJ Conversations. I'm your host, Libby Collins. Let's return to our conversation with Peggy West Schroeder from the Prison Reform Organization Free. And Peggy, describe what it's like for a pregnant woman behind bars. Pregnant women are supposed to be doing what? Their last trimester. Walking, right? Because walking helps your labor go better. Walking helps you feel better. Fresh air is good for you. Fresh air is good for your baby. You're supposed to be getting so many calories a day, which the Department of Corrections... Everything there is based on their budget. So when a woman is pregnant in prison, she's not 
given the opportunity for additional food? She's given, at 6 o'clock, they're given what they're called a lunch bag, which is a bag that has a peanut butter sandwich in it and an apple. The, most women have commissary. The issue becomes if you're revoked and you're pregnant already and you come in, you then have a certain window in which you're not getting money in, so you don't have money for commissary. You don't have money for hygiene products. So you're sitting and you're getting only what the prison can give you. And that's really where one of the issues is. But again, is this is the prison acknowledging that you're pregnant and trying to give you the caloric intake that you need to sustain a healthy pregnancy? Maybe, maybe not. Well, that's what I'm curious is what kind of prenatal care does a pregnant woman get in prison? Is there any? You do get prenatal care. The difference is, is that you're not in control of your prenatal care. What do you mean? So you're not making the decision. So you know how when you're pregnant and you have like a birthing plan and they ask you these different questions. Would you like an epidural? Would you like to do natural birth? Would you like this? Would you like that? Pregnant women don't get that option. And almost all of the decisions that are made for them are made by the Department of Corrections, including whether or not you'll be induced. And so unfortunately, a lot of pregnant women including the two that are leaders and one of them is on my staff they went through what we call forced induction so their baby their baby was due that week but they were woken up on a monday at 5 30 in the morning and told today's the day you're giving birth so get yourself together and we're leaving to go to the hospital and so then they went to the hospital and they were chemically induced so they were given pitocin in the hopes that it would take and that they would then go into labor the problem is is that chemical induction doesn't work for everybody 30 percent of the time it results in cesarean sections and that requires obviously a lot more healing time for when you're released. And so with the induction also takes longer. So instead of you going into labor, your water breaking, them taking you to the hospital and you delivering a baby within the next six hours, you're now talking about over days. Why do they do it that way? We believe that they do it that way due to staffing. We think it's a staffing issue. They're like, hey, on Mondays, everybody's rested up from the weekend and we have the staff and we can send them out. I can't prove that to you because the DOC pretty much categorically denies that they do that. Although again, I can bring you people that have been through that and did not know that they were going to be induced. So that tells you that there's conversations happening there that they're not privy to. How much time is a mother allowed with her baby after she gives birth? 24 hours. 24 hours. And then at that point, they come and they take the baby from you. And remember that a lot of times moms don't know what's happening with the baby. So they don't always tell you that. So in my mother's case, my mom had thought that I would be going to live with one of my aunts. And then for whatever reason, that didn't pan out, which my mom seemed to remain unclear about for the rest of her life. They'll say, give me three names and three numbers of people that are willing to come to the hospital and collect your baby or that CPS can go and drop the baby off with this person and if those people don't pan out then your child ends up in the system and then once your child is in the system it can be very difficult how much lead time is there given i mean when you say that they'll come to the mother and say well you're going to give birth i mean is that a day before a month before three months before It all depends, I think. I don't think that there is a set time. And again, if you talk to women who have given birth in prison, they all pretty much have different stories, which kind of tells you that it's not really the same for everybody. 
Still ahead on WTMJ Conversations. Most women knowing that they're looking at doing prison time don't want to get pregnant. Peggy West Schroeder from Free answers the question, do women deliberately become pregnant before they begin their prison sentence? listening to WTMJ Conversations. Welcome back. I'm Libby Collins. Our guest today is Peggy West Schroeder from the organization Free, advocating for prison reform. How many of these women, because they're they're going to be in a situation where they know that they are in trouble, they've been accused of something, they're going to go to trial, Right. there's, there's a good chance that they're going to be sentenced. Do some of these women decide to get pregnant before they go into prison, thinking that maybe it'll be a little easier for them while they're serving time? I definitely don't think so. I think that most women knowing that they're looking at doing prison time don't want to get pregnant. So I would say a lot of them also find out that they're pregnant. Even like if you contacted the county jail, they would tell you that they get pregnancy tests to every woman coming into the county jail. And a lot of women find out they're pregnant that way. They had no idea that they were pregnant before that. It's not something, no, that they're doing on purpose thinking I'll get a lighter sentence or maybe they won't send me because the, the fact of the matter is there's no evidence in society to support that. So if you saw women who were pregnant being given alternatives to incarceration, possibly I would buy that. But there are no in the state of Wisconsin, very, very, very few, if any, alternatives to incarceration for men or women, not at the state level, maybe here at the county level. If a woman found out that she was pregnant while she was on some type of pretrial diversion, possibly, but I don't think so. I hate to play devil's advocate, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure a lot of people are thinking to themselves, wait a minute, the women who are in prison or incarcerated, they did something wrong or they Mm -hmm. wouldn't have been convicted and and sentenced. And I know that there's extenuating circumstances and we don't need to talk about that right now. But they're thinking that, Mm -hmm. that the problem is they're being punished. Mm-hmm. And part of the punishment would be, if you happen to be pregnant, you're not going to have all of the accoutrement mm-hmm. of having this lovely, wonderful pregnancy and baby showers and your choice of the way you want to deliver your baby, that they're in a situation where they are being punished and, and that's mm-hmm. part of the punishment for them. And actually, we would disagree. We would say that prison is your punishment. And so within prison, you still should have the right to be able to eat. You should still have the right to have access to health care. You should still have the right to have access to your fitness, to keep your body healthy. And even if you disagreed with that, I may have committed a crime and I may have gone to prison, but my baby didn't. So I can say as that baby, I still deserve to have a birth story that I know did not traumatize my mom. I still deserve to have a birth story in which I was born at a healthy birth weight at which I was born. Are there statistics as to babies that are born to mothers while they're incarcerated? 
Are there more health issues? Do they have lower birth rates? Are there more disabilities that these children are born with? And do you have any statistics on that? There are a lot of statistics on that. And yes, to everything that you've just stated, I can't rattle them off, but they are there and I can get them for you if you'd like them. And that's part of the reason why free is pushing to have a Wisconsin prison doula project because A, we believe that one of the ways that we could end the cycle of incarceration in families is by allowing mothers to bond with their children, by allowing those children to know that they're important and they matter, and giving mom parenting classes and letting her know what she can expect throughout her pregnancy. A lot of the moms that we meet who have given birth during prison, actually, this is their first time giving birth. So I literally have no idea what to expect. And so the experience that they get is not awesome. And we want for there to be education that goes along. We want them to have education before a baby comes. We want for them to have support during their births, which normally women in the state of Wisconsin birth alone. So you don't have anybody in the room with you. You don't have a Lamas coach. You're getting your direction from the medical staff. And there's a guard, sometimes up to three guards in the room with you while you're giving birth. During I would the last imagine if you've got a lot of guards, so it's because you've committed some sort of violent crime. It could be. Although if you've had an epidural, I mean, I could argue you probably don't even need one guard in the room with you, but I definitely want to have that support when the 24 hours is up and baby gets taken. And then once you get back to the facility, we like for doulas to come and to continue your education and also to do lactation to make sure that babies are getting breast milk, which is healthier for them. And so there are other states where this happens pretty seamlessly, and we would like for Wisconsin to be one of those states. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations. They actually do have a women's prison that allows you to keep your baby. Prison rights advocate Peggy West Schroeder describes what prison should be like for pregnant women. You're listening to WTMJ Conversations. And I'm Libby Collins. Welcome back to our conversation with prison reform advocate Peggy West Schroeder. In a perfect world, are you saying that there would be special facilities for women who are pregnant, who are about to give birth, and that there would be a place where they can at least stay with their babies for a period of time after they give birth? In a perfect world, yes. There would be those things. And that's not what we're asking. So we're not asking for that. But basically what we're asking is a doula program to be created. Doula being, explain that. Doula is basically the woman. She's not a midwife, so she doesn't deliver your baby. But your doula is your support team during your pregnancy. They used to call them Lamaze coach. Remember, we used to go to Lamaze class. Doula is very similar. So she's there. She's helping to make sure that you're comfortable, that you're remembering to breathe, that she's holding your leg as you're pushing or feeding you ice chips or whatever so that you're less anxious that person also can explain to you like what's going on because doulas have a lot of experience in delivering babies they can also help guide you through what's going on in the delivery room and then if god forbid something goes wrong with baby they can help to explain that to you too so that's one of the things that doulas do and again in this situation it's somebody that you would meet upon your entrance into prison as a pregnant woman and you would then work with them your entire pregnancy and go through class and get, could it be another prisoner? It absolutely could. 
Yeah, absolutely it could. I don't believe they've done that in any states yet, but it absolutely could. And we're very for peer support. So in a perfect world, that would be one of the things that we would see. And in Indiana, they actually do have a women's prison that allows you to keep your baby up to you have there's obviously a whole ton of guidelines, right? You can't have been convicted of a violent crime. You can't have had a sex offense. You have to have a prison sentence that's less than three years at the time of your delivery because I think all of us, even myself, would say we don't want babies having memories of being in prison, right? But they have, it's called the We Ones program. They have a whole unit at that prison where moms go to the hospital, deliver babies, and come back with babies. For how long do they get um, to keep they them? They get to keep their babies until they're released if everything goes well. So they have to have... So up to three years old. Up to three years, yep. Would your life have been better if you had had that situation with your mom? I don't think so. But again, I'm the exception and not the norm. Would I have liked to have bonded with my mom on a level where I felt like she was my mom? I think I would have liked that. I would have. I called my mom Tootsie. I never called her mom. Not to her, not to other people. And I think, honestly, that hurt her. That caused her trauma. And I can imagine that. I'm a mom now. I have three kids. I've given birth to three children. I now am a grandma. And for them not to acknowledge me as such, I can't imagine anything that would hurt me worse than that. And especially being pregnant. And I carried this little person inside me and talked to them. And, you know, really, I can imagine you being that mom's motivation, right? They're carrying you and you're close to them and they can feel you move. And then all of a sudden, within 24 hours, they're like, now you go back to prison and you do the rest of your time alone. And you're baby goes somewhere and you don't know where and again my adoptive mom wrote with Tootsie and they had a very amicable relationship and she sent her pictures did they ever take you to prison to visit no no and I don't do you wish they had I'm not gonna lie here's a couple things that I miss I miss the fact that I don't have any pictures of my mom on the day that I was born my first picture of myself is when I was six weeks old and I went to my foster home for the first time. So on the day that I came to my foster family, that's the very first picture of me. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations. This is the second or third time that there have been people that have had issues with their papers, and I'm the only one that ended up being a felon for that. Former Milwaukee County Supervisor Peggy West Schroeder talks about a felony charge she faced. Now, more of WTMJ Conversations. I'm your host, Libby Collins. This is a hard question for me to ask, and I'm sure for you to answer. But if a woman has committed a crime where she ends up incarcerated for a period of time, longer than nine months, certainly, Mm -hmm. isn't it better in a lot of ways if the child is not part of that mother's life? I don't know. I think, again, I have seen, even including in my own life, how my children and their birth, my oldest daughter's birth transformed me, right? There wasn't anything wrong with me, but just how keenly and astutely I became her mom, right? And I have to do these things now and I have to straighten up for her. And so there's part of me that says, if pregnant women in prison are allowed to keep their babies, maybe that's the motivation that they needed. Maybe that's the, this time I actually have to stay clean or this time I actually have to stay out of trouble because I have this little, human being that is really dependent on me to do that. And then 
there's the other side of it, which is if you have women who don't have any intentions of turning themselves around and they've become desensitized by it or their addiction is so bad that they just literally can't care about going to prison, then is it better for their children to be reared by somebody else? That is possible. My Tootsie, when she was released, she went to Texas. She had more kids. She came back to Wisconsin, was actually able to get my older two brothers back from social services. And so that tells me that she had it within her to be a mom. And she wanted to be a mom. And again, I know that it hurt her deeply that my brother and I weren't a part of that picture. I also know that my brothers that were raised by her didn't live a fairy tale life like I did. So there's both sides of it. Would I have had the same life that I had? Would I have been on the county board? Would I have had educational opportunities and all that? Gone to horse camp every summer if I, you know, was raised by my birth mom? No, absolutely not. I wouldn't have. But would I have turned out to be a hardworking non-criminal? Possibly. It's hard to say. It, would my life have been 110% different? It would have starting from where I was raised at to the schools I went to to, again, opportunities I got presented to me because I had parents that were in a whole upper echelon from where I started. Peggy, you just talked about how your life may or may not have been different if you had been raised by your biological mother. And that brings up the fact that you did plead guilty to election fraud charges. Can we talk about that? It's not something that I try to hide from people. Mm -hmm. I just don't feel like when I tell the story, it has as much meaning as it should because I honestly feel like I was kind of railroaded. That's what I was going to ask you. Did you think you were set up? I was set up. Yeah, I absolutely was, especially now that you have this guy who just got charged with the same thing I got charged with, and he got a misdemeanor, and I got a felony, and I had to be on probation, and, you know, all these other ridiculous things, and the same white guy just did the same thing that I did, and he got a misdemeanor, and he's still on the county board. Yeah, I do feel like I got set up. I do. I was the first vice chair of the Milwaukee County Board of Supervisors, and... I would have been in a position where right now I would be the chair of the county board if that hadn't happened, right? So how do I not think that I was intentionally set up? This is the second or third time that there have been people that have had issues with their papers, and I'm the only one that ended up being a felon for that. So, yeah, I absolutely do. One day I'll get a pardon from the governor, but I won't run for office again. During that whole process, because it was between my daughter and I, so I signed my daughter's name on nomination papers that I know that she passed because she was pregnant, and we were spending all of our time together, and that's what we were doing. You know, when your nomination papers are due, you kind of like eat, breathe, live nomination papers. And so we had gone into this elderly housing complex and my daughter was supposed to be keeping her papers separate so that she could sign off on them. And I was keeping my papers separate so I could sign off on them. And she ended up 
I think there were like two sheets or three sheets that she didn't sign the bottom of. And I went to turn them in at the election commission. And I literally signed her name on them at the election commission. So it's not like they didn't know that I did it. And then a year later, they bring it up. And then they got a special prosecutor because they couldn't use the DA because he had endorsed my campaign. And when the special prosecutor came, he told my attorney like a dozen times. I have emails saying we won't settle for anything less than her being convicted of a felony. We do not want her to run for office again. And you take a look and you go, what meaning could there be behind that? I'm a tiny little Hispanic woman. Hispanics have the worst voting record. My voting record in my district is abysmal. Who cares if I run for office again? People who are the kingmakers, the people who don't want you to be the chair of the county board. And what would I do of the chair of the county board? I would do the same things I did, you know, while I was the county board supervisor. You know, I had national night out every year. We don't do that anymore. I had community meetings. I had meetings about the county budget, which we don't have anymore. Like, I gave my community a voice. And somehow people found that threatening. As we started out telling you at the beginning of this conversation, Peggy West Schroeder, former supervisor to the Milwaukee County Board, had a very interesting start to her life in prison. She has been advocating for the last several years for the rights of pregnant women, particularly behind bars. But she also talked about her own brush with a felony charge. Now, if you joined us late and you want to hear our entire conversation with Peggy, go to WTMJ.com and share today's show with your friends and family. You'll also find a partial transcript courtesy of eCourt Reporters. For WTMJ Conversations, I'm Libby Collins.